Welcome to Swarupa Vidya Ashram. My name is Swami Nirmalananda. Each audio is a discourse that I offered at a satsang, a free meditation program, and was followed by meditation. These teachings address the underlying questions of life. Who am I? Why am I here? How do I do what I came here to do? I went to my guru with these same questions while he gave me the teachings I share here. Most importantly, he gave me the inner experience they describe. This is why I teach, to share the same with you, both the theory and the inner experience of your own inherent divinity. The bliss of consciousness is your birthright. Meditate and discover that you are greater than you could ever imagine. Om Namah Shivaya Gurave Satchidananda Murtaye Nishpapanchaya Shantaya Niralambaya Tejase Muktanandaya Gurave Shisha Samsara Harane Bhakta Kaya Kadehaya Namaste Chitsaratmane Heta Veja Gata Veva Samsara Navaseta Ve Prabhave Sarva Vidyanam Shambhave Gurave Namaha Guru Brahma Guru Vishnu Guru Devo Maheshwara Guru Sakshat Parabrahma Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Om Swarupa Swaswabhava Namo Namaha Om I bow to my own self. I bow to my Baba's own self. I bow to his Baba's own self. I bow to your own self. Your own essence, your own beingness. Your own shivaness. The one divine reality being you. Is being all. And beyond all, O Shiva, again and again I bow. Om Swarupa Swaswa Bhava Namo Namaha. If you're not enlightened yet, if you're not enlightened yet, what is holding you back? You see, you are already consciousness incarnate. So why don't you know who you are? The second sutra in the Shiva Sutras tells us, Jnanam Bandha, knowledge is bondage. You're so busy knowing other things. 
You're so busy going through what you know, your mind always reviewing the stuff of life, focused on what you know. You're not focused on who knows this stuff. You're focused on what you know. But does all that stuff really help you? Like, you have to know the weather forecast. You check it even for days in advance. There's a 10-day weather forecast available online. Like, you can really plan anything based on that? You have to know what the economy holds in store. Tracking all the indices, keeping up to date with the various reports, figuring out what the economy will be or what they think it will be. Like, you can really plan anything based on that? You have to know what the traffic will be like. But if you look up your route on the GPS and you see that it's bad, maybe you can just wait 20 minutes and it will change. Like when we swamis drove to D.C. recently for a yoga conference, the GPS showed us a traffic jam. But when we got there an hour later, it had cleared. A different one had formed. So even if you look up what the traffic is like, can you really plan anything based on that? You've been so busy figuring out how the world works. Except it keeps changing. You want to know what other people are doing and what they're going to do or not going to do. You work at knowing what other people want so you can get it for them before they ask or you can dodge them before they ask. You need to know about the popular movies, music, social media influencers, politics, the latest innovations in the cooking shows. I don't know what it is that you have to know. You make your choices. I'd like for you to know your own self. If you're not enlightened yet, you've been prioritizing the wrong thing. Somebody told me recently, in such a sweet and beautiful way, you've been my teacher for 30 years. It's true. And it's true for many of you here today. I'm very fortunate to have so many students who've been practicing for so long, who are continuing to dive deep, to discover more of their infinite inner essence. And you're not enlightened yet? Really? After 10 or 20 or 30 years? What have you been doing? On the other hand, someone once asked me, can you just zap me and make all my problems go away? Can you fix me? I said no. And I followed up with, maybe I'm just not a good enough guru for you. I don't fix your problems. I don't fix you. That's not what a guru does. I give you the tools to see your problems a different way, to see yourself a different way, to see the light of your own divinity, which is already shining forth. And you have to do the work to remove what blocks your light. Why do you have to do it? Because you installed the blocks. So you get to remove them. 
So if you're not enlightened yet, have you recently been working at installing blocks or removing them? Or maybe you're doing both at the same time? If you're trying to fix your world and everyone in it, you're not getting closer to enlightenment. I mean, really, which of those people is actively working to help you get enlightened? All right, I know that some of them push your buttons, giving you a chance to outgrow them, but that's not necessarily the kind of help you need for enlightenment. So if you're not enlightened yet, well, I'm not going to ask you whose fault this is. I'm going to ask you, who's the one that does something about it? I see this as a partnership, you and me. But I'm not in charge. Maybe you'd like for me to be, but I'm not. You're driving the car. I'm the fuel in the tank. Where are you heading? I give you the teachings. I give you the experience of your own self. I give you access to the cosmic energy of pure beingness within you. And it's up to you what you do with it. I remember a woman who came to a weekend workshop I was teaching in a retreat center a few years ago. It had been three or four years since I'd seen her, so it was a nice reunion. The first time she had come, she was in a lot of pain. It was from overstretching her joints and tightening her spine, which she did professionally as a dancer. I moved her through the process of learning how to take care of her joints and to free up her spine. And she was almost pain-free after the first weekend. She took a few more workshops with me so she could learn more. This time when she came, she told me, I know you won't like hearing this, but you've extended my professional dance career by years. I said, you're right. I don't like hearing this. I'm sorry I've served you so poorly. It's like if a drug addict said, you've helped me be able to abuse myself more effectively and for longer. I don't want to help you abuse yourself. You can take everything you learn here and be better at life. You'll have more clarity, more focus. You'll be friendlier and happier, kind to strangers, and even kind to family members. You'll be stronger and more flexible, breathe more easily, and live with a constant spirit of generosity and compassion. And maybe that's good enough for you. It's like if I gave you a million dollars and you went out and you spent it all on potato chips. What are you doing with what you get here? By being here, you're saying that normal life is not enough for you, that you want more. Even something that most people don't look for. It's my job to help you find it by looking within. But you're the finder. You're the seeker. And you're the finder.
my Baba explained what happens if you settle for less with a classical teaching story of the bee and the elephant. Once there was a bee who always wanted to fly farther and farther away from the hive, looking for the best pollen to make the best honey. He'd leave the hive in the morning and fly and fly and fly, going as far as he could, as fast as he could, to beat out all the other bees and get out there a long way away. But he had to get back before nightfall. So he'd fly even faster to make it back in time. And then he'd tell all the other bees about his great adventures, and they'd all buzz loudly in appreciation for what great pollen he was bringing back for them. He was the big buzz. One day he found a patch of lotus flowers blooming in a muddy pond. They were laden with exotic pollens. So he flew from flower to flower, sipping nectar and collecting more and more pollen, totally losing track of time. The sun set and the lotuses closed up with him trapped inside one of them. He thought, well, I'll just sleep here until sunrise. When the lotus opens, I'll fly home, and everyone will be so happy to see me. They'll be so impressed with the pollen I'm bringing. They'll be so grateful that they can make a new kind of honey. So he curled up inside the lotus to sleep. The sky grew darker. From twilight to midnight, and the forest got quiet. Suddenly, there were a lot of crashing sounds, trees falling, even being flung over by a crazy young elephant who was feeling his oats. He had been eating some fermented fruit and was totally intoxicated pulling up trees, stripping off their leaves, and eating them by the bushel. He saw the lotus pond and stomped into it, splashing mud everywhere as he pulled the plants up to eat them as well. The bee inside his closed-up lotus was having a lovely dream. I'll bring all my friends. They'll be so happy to find this lotus patch with all the nectar and all the pollens. They'll really appreciate me and all my great adventures. He dreamt of a great honeycomb dripping with lotus honey. Suddenly there was a big jolt as his plant was ripped out by the roots and then a big crunch as the elephant crushed it in his mouth. Oh no, I'm dying, I'm dying, buzzed the bee and all his great plans died with him. Like the bee, people strive to go farther and do more. They are dedicated to gaining the good opinions of others, as well as making headway on worldly things. But they get lost in the world and can't find their way back home to their own essence and beings. Your own self is so close to you, closer than your breath. Finding yourself is quicker than an eye blink, easier than thinking a thought. 
You find your own self by slipping inside, settling inward, easing into an inner space of pure isness, your own beingness, your own self. And in that ease of pure beingness, you are you. You are enlightened. It takes only an instant. In the knowing of your own being, in being beingness itself, you are the one who is looking through your eyes. In the knowing of the self, you still have a body. You are the one who lives in this body, giving it life. In being the one who knows your own being, you are essence, knowing your own essence and abiding in bliss. The bliss of consciousness arises within and fills you completely. O oh, Shiva, you are your own self. This is enlightenment. And while you're enlightened, you can do things. You can go places. You can find new sources of pollen and make all your buzzy bee buddies happy. Simply be yourself while you do what you do. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna describes it this way. All you have to do is discern the difference between your own self and what you do. O Arjuna, Krishna says, this body is called the field. The one who knows this body is called the knower of the field. Bhagavad Gita. Chapter 13, verse 2. O oh, Arjuna, this body is called the field. The one who knows this body is called the knower of the field. The key words are kshetra and kshetradnya. Kshetra means a piece of property or land, literally meaning dirt or soil as well as the whole field made up of that dirt or soil, like the field a farmer plants crops in. The nya ending, kshetradnya, comes from jnana, meaning knowing, meaning the knower. So kshetradnya is the knower of the field. If you're a farmer, you know the difference between you and the field. You plant crops, you keep an eye on them, then you harvest the fruits of your labor. You are not your field. You use it wisely, but you don't think, I am my field. The metaphor refers to kshetra, the field, as your own body, which is physical, dense, material substance made of earth. Your body is the means by which you participate in this earthly plane. It consumes the products of the earth, 
as your food, as well as giving the waste products from your body to the earth. You use your body to make your contribution through whatever things you do to take care of this earthly realm and those in it. But your body is not who you are. Your actions are not who you are. You are the owner of the field. Like the farmer, you are not the field. Kshetra goes a bit farther. The field is your body and the sphere in which you perform actions. Like the farmer cares for his land as well as his crops, you have your field of activity. You grow your crops by performing actions as well as speaking words and thinking thoughts. Your actions, words, and thoughts have their fruits. Just like if the farmer waters the crops or not, it affects the harvest. He gains the fruits of his labor. Your karmic repercussions are called karmic fruits, karma pala. But you are not your karma. You do plant the seeds of your future with every thought you think. Every word you speak and every action you perform. It all happens in the field of your body and the field in which you operate. This is your field and you are not your field. You are not your body. You are not your actions. You are not the dirt, the earth, not even the crops, the karmic fruits. You are the one who has the field, a body, a sphere of activity. You are the knower of the field. Krishna says to distinguish between the field and the knower of the field. Oh, little buzzy bee, oh, little busy bee, you are so busy with all the fruits of all your actions that you don't notice who you really are. Yet it's so easy to know. Baba reminded us again and again. One of my favorites is this. Remember who you were when you were a child. Not where you lived or what you did, but who you were when you were a child. Who were you when you were a child? You're the same you that you were when you were a child. You're the same you that you were when your body was younger. You will be the same you when your body is older. You are the you that you were when you lived in a different place. And if you relocate, you'll still be you. No matter where your body is, you are you. No matter what your body is doing, you are you. Find the you that you are, your own self, and be your own self. No matter where your body is, 
no matter what you're doing with it. Distinguish the difference between the field and the knower of the field, and you will know your own self. Knowing and being your own self is enlightenment. If you're not enlightened yet, you keep getting lost in your body and your body's experiences. It's good to have a body. It's good to have experiences, but they don't make you who you are. You are more. So much more. To know your own self, you have to look within. You know, you're going to get what you focus on. To attain the self, look inward for your own self. Not just 10 minutes or an hour a day, but the whole rest of the day. You can be your own self while you do what you do. You are you. One yogi was very well known in his time. He was called the greatest renunciant of all. He had gone to an extreme in renouncing the world in order to find his own self. People came to him for darshan to see him, to be inspired by him, to bask in his presence, to bow at his feet, to ask for blessings. The many visitors formed a line outside, most of them bringing gifts. They brought baskets full of mangoes, bags of rice and other foods, clothes, containers of incense and lamp oil to light candle flames on his pujas, but he didn't have any pujas, no altars. He was the greatest renunciant. Everything they brought, he gave away. Some people in line brought nothing, for they lacked the means to bring a gift. They came to ask for blessings and help with their life. So the yogi gave them all that had been brought to him. At the end of the day, his small hut was empty again. Not a pot, not a grain of rice, no bed, no furniture, nothing. And the next morning, people lined up to see him again. He gave away everything they brought. A very rich man came to see him bringing a pot of gold and jewels. The bigger gift you give, the greater opening you create in yourself, increasing your ability to receive the blessings that radiate off a great being. So this rich man brought great riches. He knelt at the feet of the yogi and offered the pot, saying, I have heard that you're the greatest renunciant of all. The yogi asked, you have brought so much. You must have so much. Do you still want more wealth? Oh, yes, said the rich man. I work hard every day, always increasing my wealth. Yes, I want more. But I came to honor you, for you have renounced the world for something greater. You are the greatest renunciant of all. The yogi replied, no, I am not the greatest renunciant of all. You are a much greater renunciant than me. Not me, said the rich man. 
I work hard. I play hard. I'm always looking for pleasure. I want to be happy. I want the world to make me happy. I'm not a renunciant at all. Oh, yes, said the yogi. I have renounced the world to find God. But you have renounced even more than me. You have renounced God to find the world. So if you're not enlightened yet, what are you focusing on? What are you renouncing and what are you clinging to? I'll tell you to cling to God. Cling to God in Guru. This makes it easy to find and feel and know that one divine reality that pervades all, even within your own being, that beingness that is being you. If you're not enlightened yet, why not? You're the one who answers this question. Yet I can assure you, and it's a guilt-edge guarantee, that when you base yourself in your own self, while you do what you do, you will be even better at all you do. You will have more to give, be happier, healthier, shining with the light of consciousness all the time. It is so much easier to be enlightened compared to living in the partial darkness that most people call normal. You've got a choice. But as is true with any choice, you have to put time and energy into getting where you want to be. Anything you get, you put forth effort to get it anywhere you go. You put time and energy into getting there. If you are not enlightened yet, you haven't been applying yourself to the task at hand. Remember, I'm not in charge. If you choose not to get enlightened this lifetime, I honor your choice. I have given you everything you need to accomplish the task, and I will give again and again as often as you allow. Yet, it's okay with me if you don't get enlightened. Is it okay with you? Om Svarupa Swaswa Bhavan Namo Namaha.